Welcome to the Preaching Podcast. I'm Paul Robinson, and thank you so much for listening today. Today we're going to talk about the truth. Now, the world out there, you know what they say? They say that truth is relative. They say what's true for you might not be true for them. And we know that's totally bogus, right? That's not true at all. Because we have an absolute truth. We have the perfect Word of God. And that's what this sermon is all about today. Now this sermon, it's, it's entitled Walk in the Truth, and I know it'll be a blessing to you. Um, I preached a sermon many years ago. I don't actually have an actual date for it, believe it or not. Uh, I think it was for Honor of the Bible Month, so which is January. So I think it was January either 2011 or 2012, long time ago. So uh, this is in Honor of the Bible Month in which we focus on the Word of God, the Bible, and that's a great way to start out the year, right? So this message I know will be a great blessing to you as you hear about how we can, we, we have the truth, and we can walk in the truth today and every day. So without further ado, here is the message, Walk in the Truth. If you turn your Bibles to Second John, Second John, and Second John, we're going to actually just uh, read the whole book here. It's pretty short. The <clears throat> Bible says, The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth, for the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world, who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, this is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds." Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. And so in this short book, uh, the Apostle John uh, writes to his children in the faith, encouraging them to walk in the truth, which is God's word. He said in 3 John 4, I have no greater joy than, the, than to hear that my children walk in truth. And it's the same with God. He delights when his children are walking in the truth of his word. God has no greater joy than when we are walking in the truth of his word. And if God's word is really the truth, then why do we treat it the way we do? Why do so many Christians uh, keep their, their Bible on the shelf all week and it collects dust and then they, they get it off a Sunday morning and kind of dust it off and then they bring it to church and then they look all spiritual and they act like they've been walking in the truth all week but they haven't been. So many Christians are not walking in the truth. They have the truth, the word of God. 
But it's not enough to just have the truth. You must walk in the truth, meaning you must live by the word of God. It's not enough to just have the word of God or to just read the word of God every now and then or to take it to church. You need to live the word of God in your life, to walk in it. It deserves our time and attention. It deserves our study because it is the truth. But it is not just enough to read it and to study it. We must walk in it. As verse 6 says, um, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. Uh, the world may study the Bible, but they won't walk in it. Uh, they think it's an amazing book. You know, it's a great book. It's written really well, but they don't believe it's the truth from God. They just, they just read it and study it because it's interesting but they don't walk in it. Should, shouldn't we be a step above the world, though? Shouldn't we study it and live it in our lives? Many Christians know the truth, but they don't walk in the truth. We live in a day of technology. There's, there's no excuse for anybody, any Christian, to not know the Word of God. There's Bible software programs and commentaries and concordances and all these Bible help books. And, and uh, in honor of the Bible month right now, there's so many resources that the, uh, the media table has that you can get to help you study the Bible. And there's no excuse for any Christian, especially here, to not know the Word of God. There's no excuse. And we need to, we need to get into it and we need to study the Word of God, not just read the Bible, not just kind of skim the surface. We need to dig into it and we need to study the Word of God because it is the truth and we need to walk in the truth. So I challenge you to walk in the truth of God's Word for 2010, that this would be the best year for all of us and the best year for this church, walking in the truth of God's Word. We're going to look at four facts from Second John about truth. Four facts. Number one, the world's problem with truth. You know, the world has a big problem with the truth. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. <clears throat> this accurately describes the world today and also many churches today. Isaiah chapter 30. This chapter is about um, Israel forsaking the Lord, forsaking God's word. And uh, starting with verse 1. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt, and have not asked at my mouth, to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh, and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame, and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. For his princes were at Zone, and his ambassadors came to Hanes. They were all ashamed of a people that could not profit them, nor be a help, nor profit, but a shame and also a reproach. The burden of the beasts of the south into the land of trouble and anguish, from whence come the young and old lion, the viper and fiery flying serpent. They will carry their riches upon the shoulders of young asses and their treasures upon the bunches of camels to a people that shall not profit them. For the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this, their strength is to sit still." Now go, write it before them in a table and note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. That this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits, get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us, 
Wherefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because ye despise this word and trust in oppression and perverseness and stay thereon, therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. So we see here Israel has really forsaken the Lord and they've run back to Egypt. They're trusting Egypt again. And we know that in the Bible, Egypt is a picture of the world. And I truly believe that the problem with the world today is so many churches have run back to the world. So many churches uh, have conformed to the world in the way they, uh, the they worship the Lord and, and in the way they uh, do, do things. They just, they've become corrupt with the world just as Israel had forsaken the Lord for Egypt. I truly believe many churches today have forsaken the Lord to bring in bigger crowds and, and worldly crowds with the world's methods. They have forsaken the truth. That they want uh, smooth things. You know, notice it says they, they want smooth things and deceits. They, they, they want to hear uh, what they want to hear, not what God need, wants us to hear. Uh, it sounds kind of similar to 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, which says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And we are in the last days, and that's, that's happening in the world today. There are people who, who want to hear things that will tickle, tickle their ears and things that, uh, fables, they don't want to hear the truth anymore. That's our world today. The world has a problem with the truth. They don't want to hear it. They don't like to hear that they're sinners in need of a savior. They don't even like to hear the name of Jesus spoken in public. The world has replaced God's truth with lies that they want to hear. Uh, here's some, evolution, atheism, gay marriage, abortion, just to name a few. The world tolerates every false view except the truth. They have shut their eyes to the truth so much that now they believe these lies. Hitler said, make the lie big, make it simple, keep saying it, and eventually they'll believe it. And Hitler was indeed a master of lies. He also said, it is not truth that matters, but victory. But if we throw out the truth, victory goes too. And we see America has been throwing out the truth progressively uh, year after year, decade after decade, they've been throwing out the Bible in schools and in um, the court system. They've been throwing out the truth. And there goes victory for America because they've been throwing out the truth of God's word. Can't have victory without God's word. Can't have victory without God. And so we see that truth has been compromised. Many people in the world today say that there's no such thing as absolute truth. Uh, you're absolutely sure about that? Um, I'm sure many of you have he heard of uh, Joel Osteen. He's, their seeker. he's in the seeker-sensitive movement. And he, he's supposed to have the largest church right now in America um, because he, he's really good at drawing in crowds. But it's really interesting. He had an interview with Larry King on Larry King Live uh, a while ago. And I'm just going to read this to you. A uh, lady calls in and says, <clears throat> uh, I'm wondering why you sidestepped Larry's earlier question about how we get to heaven. The Bible clearly tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father is through him. That's not really a message of condemnation, but of truth. Osteen says, yeah, I would agree with her. I believe that. And then King says, so then a Jew is not going to hell? And Osteen stutters, uh, well, here's my thing, Larry. I can't judge somebody's heart. Only God can look at somebody's heart. To me, it's not my business to say this one is or this one isn't. I just say, here's what the Bible teaches and I'm gonna put my faith in Christ. I think it's wrong when we go around saying, you're not going and you're not going and you're not going because it's not exactly my way. 
uh, King says, you believe your way. Osteen says, oh, I believe my way. I believe my way with all my heart. And then King says, but if someone doesn't share it, it's wrong, isn't it? Osteen says, well, I don't know if I look at it like that, which I would present my way, but I'm going to let God be the judge of that. I mean, I don't know. King said, so you make no judgment on anyone. What about atheists? And Osteen says, no, you know, I'm going to let God be the judge of who goes to heaven and hell. And just again, I just present the truth, and I say it every week. I believe it's a relationship with Jesus. But you know what? I'm not going to go around telling everybody else if they don't want to believe that, that's going to be their choice. God's got to look at your own heart, and only God knows that. Well, I do believe we can know people's heart because the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So every, every human heart, every person is born a sinner, every, person, every person's heart is corrupt and deceitful in need of a savior. That's really interesting here. Olstein kind of sidesteps the, the question. He, uh, does be, you know why? Because he does not want to offend anybody. He, d- he doesn't want to offend any other religions. He is more concerned about offending other religions than offending God. I think it's a pretty big offense to God to, to uh, not present the truth and to say, well, you know, it's not, my, uh, it's not my say, you know, he's going to heaven or he's going to hell. But God said to tell every creature, to tell every creature the gospel. That is our duty. In fact, Galatians 5.11 says, And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. People are going to get offended when you preach uh, the gospel. It's going to happen. The Bible says it will. First Peter 2, eight, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. So the gospel is a rock of offense, and it is going to offend those who want to be disobedient to what it's going to say. The, the gospel is going to offend people, whether, whether you like to or not. It's, not. it's not my choice to pick and choose what to preach. It's God's holy word, and it's 100% truth. We must present the truth, and the world has such a problem with uh, you know, trying to tickle people's ears and preach what people want to hear. That's the problem. That's the problem. Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And America has committed this one sin. They've forsaken the truth of God's word, just as Israel did. And you can't have truth without God's word. So we see there the world has a problem with truth. But number two also, number two, the words power as truth. The words power as truth. God's word is powerful. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Ooh, that's pretty powerful. I would say I don't think any other book can do that. God's word is very powerful. And Jesus Christ is the word in the flesh. Revelation 19, 13 says, and he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. Christ, who is the truth, will return and defeat all those who are against the truth. So it's inevitable. The truth will prevail in the end because it's the word of God, the truth. And we've seen through history how man has just tried to destroy this book, but he can't because it's the truth and the truth will always prevail. I think of the, uh, the Civil War. You know, in the Civil War, the North was fighting against the South over the issue of slavery. And the North uh, said, you know, slavery is wrong. And, and the South said, no, we, we want our slaves. But in the Bible, the Bible also condemned slavery. And so I truly believe that God allowed the North to win because they were on the side of God's word. 
They're on the side that they believe that slavery was wrong and so does God's word. And so they, they won because they were on the side of the truth. In fact, the battle hymn of the Republic, which is the side of the North, uh, the uh, chorus there says, his truth is marching on. His truth is marching on. And this is the truth and it needs to march forward. We need to carry it high. We need to march forward with the word of God. Turn your Bibles to Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19. And we're going to see here a few things about the power of the truth of the word of God. The power of the truth. Psalm 19 verses 7 through 9. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now these verses show the power of the word of God and what exactly the word of God can do to lives. First of all, we see that it converts the soul. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. See, it's the word of God that leads us to salvation. The word of God is what shows us, uh, the Savior shows us how we can know for sure Christ is our Savior. It converts the soul. It also educates the simple. Uh, Acts 4.13 says, now when, they had, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And who is Jesus? He is the word, the word in the flesh. These men had been with Jesus and they were unlearned and ignorant men. And yet these people were like, whoa, these people, uh, they aren't so stupid. They're pretty smart. So I guess they've been with their savior. And how true, when you're in the word, it doesn't matter. You don't have to have a PhD or a doctorate or whatever. You don't have to be that smart, because I'm not that smart. But if you're in the word and studying it, it can educate you. It can, it can help you to learn uh, this word and other people will see it. If you spend time in the word, other people will see it. And they'll tell that you've, you've spent time in the word of God. It educates the simple. It also rejoices the heart. Psalm 119, 162 says, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. When was the last time you rejoiced because you found something in the word of God and it was so amazing and you were like, well, I've never seen that before. I've read that chapter, you know, 20,000 times. I've never seen that. It's amazing. And, and you can't just help but tell somebody else uh, what God showed you in his word. When's the last time you, you found something like that? I think a lot of times we kind of just read the Bible and we're like, oh, that's good, that's nice, that's nice. We don't really see something. We need to study the word more because it rejoices the heart. It, it'll bring you joy because it'll be like you're finding great spoil. It also strengthens the sight. In Revelation 3.18, uh, Jesus here speaking to the church of Laodicea, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And notice this, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. And you know what? Laodicea had a huge problem and one of the, one of the problems was they were spiritually blind. They needed, they needed spiritual eye salve and I believe that the word of God is our eye salve to help us see. I believe if you read the word that you're gonna have a clearer uh, vision of what you can do for the Lord. You're gonna have a, a clearer sight for how you can serve him in the future. The word of God will strengthen our eyes, our spiritual eyes. It also stands forever. 
Psalm 12, 6, and 7, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And so the word of God is always going to last. In heaven, this is going to be the biggest trophy in heaven. The word of God uh, is going to last forever. And and we've seen man try to destroy the word, but he can't. He can't. And and it's, it's, it's a physical book, but it's also an eternal book. It's God's truth, and you cannot destroy it. Uh, finally, the word of God is righteous altogether. I love this verse, Psalm 1, 138, verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified the, thy word above all thy name. And we know that the name of the Lord is so high and mighty, it's so precious, uh, Jehovah God, and yet the Bible says that the Lord has magnified His word above all his name. Notice it's not just above his name. It's above all his name. You see, the name of God is, it's it's huge, it's massive, it's, it's so important. And the Lord has taken his word and he says, this is more important than my name. I prize this more than my own name, than all my name. It is a righteous book. It is a perfect book because it is God's book. It is truth. So we hold a powerful book. This book can change your life. It's changed many lives, and I hope that you allow it to work, penetrate your heart and change your life each and every day. Notice number three, the wicked proponents against truth. Now here we see in 2 John, uh, in the second half of the book, we really don't have time to read it, but verses 7 to 13, we, we see how John talks about the deceivers, and he says, watch out for these deceivers. They're going to spread lies. They're going to preach another gospel, and watch out for them. Don't let them into your house. Uh, don't bid them Godspeed. Uh, but watch out for these false teachers. And many deceivers in the world spread lies about God and his word. These are cults. And the definition, or the dictionary defines the word cult as a, religious, or a religion regarded as unorthodox or spurious. So a cult is simply a religion that does not believe in the truths of God's word. Most cults have started because they took a verse out of context and ran with it, organized in a group that spread those lies, causing others to follow them. Watch out for them because they could be coming to your door soon. Uh, the Bible is clear that we should not invite these false propagators into our house or bid them Godspeed. These false teachers, whether they realize it or not, are actually against the truth. And it's so sad because th- these uh, these cults get young people who don't even know what they're doing and they, they get them to believe that this is the truth and they wrap them up and they, they get them into this cult and, and so they start believing it but they really don't know what they're believing. It's not the truth. They think it is but it's really against the truth. Once the devil was walking along with one of his cohorts, they saw a man ahead of them pick up something shiny. Uh, what did he find? asked the cohort. A piece of the truth, the devil replied. Oh, doesn't it bother you that he found a piece of the truth? Asked the cohort. No, said the devil. I will see to it that he makes a religion out of it. Well, that's how cults always start. They find a piece of the truth. They find a piece of the truth and then they walk in circles with it. And they continually chase their tails like a dog. Confused, they don't know what they're doing. They found one piece of truth, but they, but they don't know what to do with it. They, they take it out of context, they use it in the wrong way, they tell other people about it, but it is only a piece of the truth. And if you only have a piece of the truth, it is no truth at all. You need the whole truth, the entire word of God, from front, from front to back, from cover to cover. This is a whole truth, not just a piece of truth. 
uh, Acts 20, 27, the Apostle Paul says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Psalm 119, verse 6, David said, Then shall I not be ashamed, when I have respect unto all thy commandment. Now, we must read the whole Bible to get all the pieces. It's important to read this Bible all the way through, not just read, you know, book of Matthew, because that's such a good book, and then the book of Genesis. We had to read the whole Bible, even, even the minor prophets, even the book of Leviticus, because we need to get the whole truth. Otherwise, you're just going to get, you know, some pieces, and it's, it's uh, dangerous when you get just certain pieces of the truth. You need to get the whole truth. Now, if we don't know the truth of the Bible, these false teachers could get us on the wrong track to believing lies. They, they could even trick us. First Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Hey, we're supposed to be ready always to give an answer to anyone that asks you a question about the Bible. You know, and there's all kinds of questions that people can ask you. And, and sometimes like, well, I never really thought about that. But let me study it and get back to you. You know, because we need to be ready to answer these, these people because they could come to your door. Uh, cults are growing and the sad part is they will continue to grow. So says the word of God, 2 Timothy 3.13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Well, can't we do anything to stop these cults from growing? Yes, we can spread the truth. You see, these cults are very enthusiastic about spreading their lies. They get out in the community, they knock on doors, they hand out literature, they do everything they do can, to spread their lies. What we can do is spread the truth because we have the truth of God's word. Now, what are you doing with it? We have a soul-winning uh, outreach here on Saturdays, and I think we could use a lot more people here to spread the truth. We need more people who are willing to come out and spend just an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, just to knock on doors and tell people the truth of the gospel. Because the cults certainly are getting a lot of doors, and they're getting prospects too. We need to tell, uh, we need to get out there in the community and spread the truth. They need to hear the truth of the gospel. It's only going to get worse. Once when a stubborn disputer seemed unconvinced, President Lincoln said this. Well, let's see. How many legs has a cow? Well, four, of course, came the reply disgustedly. Oh, that's right, agreed Lincoln. Now, suppose you call the cow's tail a leg. How many legs would the cow have? Why, five, of course, was the confident reply. Now, that's where you're wrong, said Lincoln. Calling a cow's tail a leg doesn't make it a leg. And how true, these cults are calling their lies the truth. They're like, oh, this is the truth. Oh, well, uh, this, the, you can't trust uh, the Bible. You, know, you can only trust the book we hold because uh, a few years ago it became the truth all of a sudden. So you can't trust the Bible. And so they're calling it the truth when it's a lie. And just because they're calling it the truth does not mean it's the truth. We need to get out there and spread the gospel because it is the truth, because it's God's book. And so we see these wicked proponents against truth. But fourthly, and finally, this is the application part of the sermon, walk in the principles of truth. Now, principle is an orderly arrangement. We must not walk disorderly. 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. We don't need anyone here walking disorderly. And how do we walk disorderly? It's when we, when we stop reading this. It's when we stop walking in the truth. If you're not walking in the truth, uh, you're walking disorderly. You don't know where you're going and what you're doing. Um, for an example, 
the uh, automobile laws. You know, uh, it'd be pretty disorderly out there in the streets if we didn't have traffic lights to tell cars when to go and when to stop and when to start to stop or run the light. Uh, it'd be pretty disorderly out there and if we didn't have stop signs to tell people when to stop and let other people go. But you know, before, before stop signs and traffic lights, it was very dangerous out there in cars because people were just going and they, lots of car accidents. It was disorderly. And we need the word of God to guide us and to tell us when to stop and when to go and what to do. We need it to guide us because this will bring order into your life. This will bring order into the church. We need the word of God so that we can walk orderly. Uh, David walked in truth. He's a good example of someone who's willing to walk in the truth. Uh, notice the kings of Israel and Judah that the ones who walked in truth prospered and the ones who didn't, didn't prosper. We see David here, Psalm 86:11 says, teach me thy way, O Lord, I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. And then Psalm 26, three, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes and I have walked in thy truth. David desired to be taught the truth. He wanted to walk in it. He wanted to walk in the truth of God's word. He is such a good example of someone who hungered and thirsted after the word of God. However, there are many kings who did not walk in the truth, but in the way of evil. And many kings did that which was right in their own eyes. Ahab was the most evil of all the kings. Turn your Bibles real quick to 1 Kings 22. 1 Kings chapter 22. We see a story here about the truth. And, uh, and King Ahab, 1 Kings 22, starting with verse 7. And here's the story of uh, Ahab and Jehoshaphat when they come together. And they need to hear, uh, Ahab here wants to go up to Ramoth Gilead to fight these people. And Jehoshaphat asks, you know, isn't there a real prophet of the Lord that we can hear from to hear if the Lord will uh, prosper this fight? Now notice this. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man, Micaiah the son of Imla, by whom ye may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him, for he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. I hmm, wonder why that is. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Hasten hither, Micaiah the son of Imla. The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, sat each on his throne, having put on their robes in a void place of the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah the son of Shaniah uh, made him horns of iron. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, With these shalt thou push the Syrians until thou have consumed them. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the king's hand. That's interesting. But I want you to notice what Micaiah says. If you jump there down to um, right, jump down to verse twenty five. Jump down to verse twenty five. Here's what Micaiah said Behold, thou shalt see in that day when thou shalt go into an inner chamber to hide thyself. And the king of Israel said, well, this is after he, he prophesied defeat, and, and then the king said, take Micaiah, carry him back unto Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, thus saith the king, put this fellow in the prison and feed him with bread of affliction and with water of affliction until I come in peace. Micaiah said, if thou return at all in peace, the Lord hath not spoken by me. And he said, hearken, O people, every one of you. And so Micaiah here prophesies the truth. He prophesies the truth. We see all these false prophets who said, oh, king, go ahead. The Lord will prosper you. But they were just saying what the king wanted, them, wanted to hear. Whereas Micaiah, 
who was a prophet of God, said, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, you're going to be defeated. Everyone's going to be scattered. Don't go up there. And then Ahab, of course, doesn't listen. He says, oh, he prophesied evil of me, of course. Uh, so they took him away. They locked him up. But Micaiah was the only one willing to stand for the truth, even though everybody else was, was speaking lies. He stood up for the truth. Are you willing to be the only one in the workplace, in the home, in the community, to stand for the truth? Do you have enough integrity to walk in the truth even though everybody else is walking the way they want to go? It's not the popular way. It's not the populated way. Oh, but it's the right way because it's the truth. Walk in the truth. There are too many average Christians in the world today. Now, the average Christian only reads the Bible and does not study it. He just skims the surface. The average Christian comes to church and listens to the sermon, uh, but he forgets it when he goes home. He doesn't take any notes. He doesn't do anything to help him remember it. He does not witness to his co-workers because he is afraid of what they will think. He does not go soul winning with his church. This is the average Christian. And I hope that we are not average Christians. If you want to be a cut above the average, then don't just read the Bible, study it. Uh, get, some, get some materials, get something to help you to study the Bible, a concordance or a commentary to help you understand the Bible more. Dig into it, study it, make some time. But don't just read it, study it. And also at church, let the truth of God's word penetrate your heart. Determine to leave this place changed. Come here with a mindset that you're not going to leave until God has spoken to my heart. And I'm not going to leave the same way I came. Also, witness to your coworkers. Or are you ashamed of the gospel? Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Well, that includes your coworkers. That includes anybody we come in contact with. We need to spread the word, spread the truth. We need to share the truth. Also, come out soul winning on Saturdays. We certainly need more people who are willing to go door to door spreading the truth of God's word, spreading the gospel. We need more people to get into the community. This community needs to hear that there is a place in North Glen where they can come and hear the truth of God's word. We need more people to come out soul winning. Are you willing to give up a Saturday morning? Are you willing to give up just an hour or two to spread the truth? I think it's worth it. It's worth it to spread the truth. Now, if you're satisfied to be an average Christian, then just go home and forget everything I said. But God is not pleased with the average. Notice these three things. Walk in the way. All the way with all your heart. Walk in the way, all the way with all your heart. Now, someone can be forced to go on a walk. You know, Now, come on, walk with me. And it's like, oh, I don't want to walk. Or like a dog. Well, dogs are always eager to walk. But if someone who's not, who doesn't want to walk, you know, you think they're going to walk with a brisk walk, they're going to be like... Oh, what was me? Life is so difficult because they don't want to walk. They're being forced into it. Now Hebrews 12, 12 and 13 says, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Hey, uh, you don't want to walk in the truth of God's word? Lift up your hands that hang down, your, your feeble knees that, that are shaking and, and make those paths straight for your feet. Walk in the way of truth. We need more Christians who are willing to walk in the truth. So many average Christians out there who just kind of just slump along. They're, they're not walking in the truth. Cleveland Amory tells this story about Judge John Lowell of Boston. One morning the judge was at breakfast, his face hidden behind the morning paper. 
A frightened maid tiptoed into the room and whispered something to Mrs. Lowell's ear. The, the lady paled slightly, then squared her shoulders resolutely and said, John, the cook has burned the oatmeal and there is no more in the house. I'm afraid that this morning, for the first time in 17 years, you'll have to go without your oatmeal. Well, the judge, without putting down his paper, answered, It's all right, my dear. Frankly, I never cared much for it anyhow. And I truly believe that that's the average Christian today. If we were to take away the word of God, if it were to become illegal to even own the word of God, or, or illegal to pray, or illegal to come to church, I think uh, uh, the average Christian would say, Oh, frankly, I didn't care for it much anyhow. Oh, I didn't care about that much, you know. A church, we can skip church this Sunday, you know. I don't really care. Oh, oh, we don't have to tithe this week. Don't really care about that. Oh, we don't, you know, I can skip reading my Bible today. Uh, you know, I can read it uh, twice tomorrow because you don't really care. An average Christian just really doesn't care. He can get by without it. But this is the truth. Don't you understand? This can change your life. You need to walk in this. Otherwise, who knows where we're going to go? Who knows where we're going to go with our mindset, our, our wicked human mindset? We need the truth of God's word. And more Christians need to walk in it instead of going their own way, doing their own thing. Turn your Bibles to 1 Kings 2. 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 2. This is David instructing his son to walk in the truth. 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. <clears throat> and keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself, that the Lord may continue his word, which he spake concerning me, saying, if thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart, and with all their soul, thou shalt not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. We need to walk in truth, but we need to do it with all our heart. You see, the average Christian is half-hearted. He, he does things half-heartedly, you know. He goes to church half-hearted. He, he, he um, puts the money in the offering plate half-hearted. He does everything half-hearted. The Lord says, I'm not pleased with that. I need your whole heart, your whole soul. Do it with all your heart. Now turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. And this is Solomon uh, giving his advice to his son. Starting with verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel, to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood, let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance, we shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us, let us all have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the way with them, refrain thy foot from their path. And here Solomon is telling his son, don't listen to them. Hey, don't go the way of the world. They're walking in their own path. They, they made their own path to walk. It's called the path of sin. 
the path of lies. We need to walk in the path of the truth. And here, Solomon's telling his son, you need to increase in learning and knowledge, increase in wisdom. And how do we do that? Well, we read the truth. This will increase your knowledge and your wisdom. You know, the world, their knowledge and wisdom is so secular, so that they, they keep God out of their wisdom. There is no God in the world. But in the Bible, this is all God's word, is truth. We need to read it. So I encourage you in this next year, in this new year, to walk in the truth. I, I, think, I think the life of Solomon is really interesting because the Bible gives his whole life. The book, of, the book of the Song of Solomon shows when he is young and he is happy and in love, but then in Proverbs and he's in his middle age and he's a wise man still going for the Lord, but then in Ecclesiastes in his old age after he had lived in a moral life of vanity. All he could say was all is vanity. And I think we can all look back at times in our lives when we live the Christian life in vain. But it doesn't have to be like that. Anytime we are living in vanity, we're not walking in the truth. Solomon forsook the advice of his father. He did not walk in the ways of the Lord with a perfect heart. Don't forsake the heavenly wisdom of the word of God. Walk in the truth. Your life can count for eternity. I, I always pray to the Lord, Lord, just, I want my life to count for eternity. I want to do something that will last forever. And it, it will only last forever if we are living in the truth, if we are walking in the truth. Amen. What a blessing to know that we have the truth, right? We have the truth. Now the question is, what are you going to do with it? You know, it's one thing to have the truth. It's another thing to walk in it, to live according to it. And I'm very sad to say that many Christians today have the Bible. They might even go to church, but they don't walk in the truth of the Word. And they seem just content to have the truth, but never to walk in the truth, and never to stand up for the truth or share the truth. And you know what? If we have the truth, if we really have the truth, then aren't we obligated to walk in it, to live according to it, and to share it? We absolutely are. God is holding you responsible and me. He's holding us responsible. We have the truth. The world doesn't have it, so they're not responsible. But we have it. We're responsible to walk in it, to stand up for it, and to share it. And so I hope that was a great blessing to you today. Thank you so much for listening today. And remember, you can support this podcast for as little as just $1 a month. And there's a link at the end of the description of this episode, so you can click on that if you'd like to support the show. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, also check out my website, paulrobinsonbooks.com. And there you can uh, find links to my books. I have five books out right now. Uh, they are devotional books that will encourage you in your, and help you in your walk with Christ. And my blog is also on that website. And, of course, the podcast is there as well. Um, so uh, check that out. Uh, my YouTube, it, well, it's not my YouTube channel, but my church's YouTube channel is Northside Baptist Church, North Glen, Colorado. And uh, there you can uh, watch uh, preaching from not just me, but the other pastors at my church and a lot of wonderful preaching there. So be sure to check that out. I'm Paul Robinson, and until next time, God bless you. I'm a-